Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, if my game starts to slide, if my game starts to slide, I have no fear, I have no fear. If my brother got my gun, catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for Triad Sports. You're listening to The Rundown. Uh, they're missing some parts, but Clemson's had the, like, the number one or number two uh, recruiting class in the country, it feels like, or at least top five, like mm-hmm. the past four or five years. So oh, it's yeah. not like they don't have kids on the on the sidelines waiting for an opportunity, like exactly. four and five-star kids that we haven't heard about. Some talking heads out there have said, whoa, well, this Clemson team, they don't have T. Higgins. They don't have these wide receivers. What are they going to do? They're going to just plug in the next two guys. Exactly, they, like they did the year doing. before. Yeah. The year before when Mike Williams was you don't, <laughs> you don't win 10 plus games a year for like going this will be like the 10th year in a row if they do it this year you don't do that by depending on one or two guys and having to reload and then two years later you're back Justin's been steady the whole time from Sammy Watkins before Sammy Watkins DeAndre Hopkins for sure they have wide receivers I ain't worried I don't even know what the games are going to be I ain't worried about that Trevor Lawrence will find it. the rundown with Desmond Johnson Saturdays at 10 a.m. right here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio Charlotte out of timeout. Is warning the shot. Game over. So get off. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's got him this time. It's going to be a drag race final. They touch. They touch. Kramer even got him. Kramer got him. Kramer got him. Now Potagorovsky with it. Two away in front. Lost there. Scramble for it there. They plug away at it. Still it's loose. Plus that by Kovacic. The runner at third, nobody out in the first and didn't score. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith, Corks went into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. Welcome to the score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Welcome to a absolutely scorching hot edition of the score here with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Here in North Carolina, where we're about six inches from the sun, um, it's 98 degrees. I haven't caught fire yet. We're getting there. Um, I'm sure to spontaneously combust by hour two. Uh, joined by Desmond Johnson, our producer, and Christian Emery from an even hotter area of the state. That would be Raleigh. Um, two pieces of breaking news. One semi-breaking. Uh, about an hour, hour and a half ago, this report just out. Um, the NFL planning to argue for a significant suspension of Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson over we know by now what it is. Um, the thinking is they're going to argue for a full season suspension. Um, that report coming out from the Washington Post, um, about 10, 15 minutes ago. The other big piece of news, um, at an announcement for a branding extension with Stephen Curry's arm of Under Armour, Davidson head coach Bob McKillop announced he is stepping down and retiring from college basketball after 33 seasons as the basketball coach at Davidson, which included coaching now NBA champion Stephen Curry, which segues nicely um, into where we'll recap uh, 
the Golden State Warriors decimation, shall I say, last night of the Boston Celtics taking that, as Desmond correctly predicted, by the way, uh, in six games. Guys, I felt like the first half of the first quarter was kind of even, and then that back half into the second quarter, Golden State goes on that 21 to nothing run. It wasn't just one of those... It wasn't just one of those runs that doesn't end up having an effect later on in the game. That was just as much psychological as it was an impact on the scoreboard because, to me, it almost seemed like that was Golden State flexing its championship pedigree and putting the final foot down and squashing the bug, so to speak. That's exactly what it was, and I kind of expected that to happen. It was funny to me when this series started how many people were saying that Boston was the better team. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, how? Like, what have they done to prove they're the better team? Ta- ta- Talent-wise, no. The or only way they could general. win this series is how they made it go this far, which was they had the size. That was the only advantage. And the only reason why they had size is because Golden State size, are, they're all like 19, 20 years old. So, I mean, that's really the only – that was the only thing. And, like, I just could, I just sat back and listened to pundits go on and on about how Boston should win this series and they're the better team and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just sitting there like Golden State has like a a top 10 all-time player at the back end of his prime playing. They've got one of the best shooters of all time playing, one of the top defenders in the league playing. And they found these like cast-offs and like young kids. Basically, I I look at the past – well, they say three seasons, really the past two years. So 2020, 2021, that's the equivalent to me of the 90s Bulls, 94, 95 seasons. Like all it's going to do is recharge the Warriors for another window of two or three more titles because they got a chance to basically reset everything. And now they're going to have Steph, Clay, Draymond in their early 30s. Like Jordan won his last title with the Bulls at age, what, 36, I think it was. So they're right there. And I don't see anybody with what they have coming back that's going to be able to but match James up. James Wiseman hasn't hardly played. He didn't even play well, this year. Not- <laughs> Wiseman didn't even play the number one pick of the draft. The number one, they were so good that the, they know. didn't even need the number one overall pick. They, they didn't, didn't need him. They didn't use – I mean, Wiseman didn't play. Moody didn't play in the finals. Kaminga didn't play in the finals. Uh, I, I mean – Everybody, everybody's kind of can, locked, can, play, plays can we locked say in. something about Jordan Poole real quick? That dude, I'm telling you, I don't think anybody saw that coming, but he played great all year. He showed out, the, especially the last two rounds of those playoffs. He, he and did. Andrew Wiggins both, but more specifically Jordan Poole, because it's not a name that we really looked at on this roster all year, but you said you mentioned the other guys like Kaminga that stepped up all year and just kind of came out of nowhere. Speaking of coming out of nowhere, Draymond all of a sudden decided to have the best game of his life almost last night and really made an impact not just offensively, uh, but defensively. Yeah, and I mean, Draymond, I mean, he was all over was... the floor last night. Well, they they smell blood in the water, you can kind of tell. Yep. After they knew they were going to get a punch from Boston at the very beginning because they're in the garden, it's in Boston. I think the 85 Lakers are the only team to have finished the NBA Finals on Boston's floor. And yep. they, they came out with the until intent. Until last night. They, until last night. And they came out with the intent to impose their will on the Warriors. And the Warriors took the blow. And 
that 21 to zero run or whatever run it was, that's the the biggest run in finals history. Like that's never happened before what the Warriors did last night. And I'll I'll be honest, man, I was, I was not surprised when it went down. Like they sucked the soul out of the Celtics. You could literally watch it on TV. The Celtics looked defeated when they went. You you, you saw that run. They they called two time. Boston had to call two timeouts in the course of that run. You normally don't see a run go long enough to where, yeah, turnovers hurt too. Thank you, Larry. That's yeah, good point. Three games in a, they, Boston gave turnovers game hurt them the last three games of the series, yeah, especially they, down the stretch in Game Five. They had a chance to steal Game Five on the road, but they couldn't hang on to the basketball. And Jason Tatum basically looked like. Imagine Kobe early in his career with the Lakers without Shaq. And that's what he yeah. looked like to me, where he was rushing a lot. Uh, he got, he would get high. He was real streaky. He'd get hot for a little bit. The Celtics are at their best, actually, when they play like they did in game one, which was like when a they mirror don't image play of the Warriors. ISO ball. Yeah. Right. When they, when they're moving the ball around and games two, really from game one on, they stopped passing the ball that same way. And Golden State realized, hey, we're Golden State. This is what we do. And, the proof is in the pudding. Like, I just felt like the Celtics would get one in Golden State, and I felt like Golden State would get one in Boston, and that's literally what happened. And, you know, hell, this might be a repeat next year. It could be Golden State-Boston next year in the finals. It could be. And, and look, Golden State's not going anywhere. Here's what they did that's different than what a lot of other teams and franchises have done in the past when their, you know, quote-unquote aging core was starting to get older, you know, getting hurt here and there. They didn't blow the thing up and rebuild from scratch. They waited on those guys to come back. They waited on Clay Thompson twice. Mm-hmm. And now it's paid off. Look at somebody like Oklahoma City. They traded James Harden because they didn't think they could get anything for him if they didn't trade him right when they did. Well, with James Harden, Imagine they, they, if they don't blow that money. thing up. They didn't want to exactly. pay the money at the time, but they didn't know that the that the cap was going to rise after they were after they traded them, where they could have still kept them together. So that's probably uh, the the number one thing that happened to that Oklahoma City squad, where they, in theory, should probably all still be together. But the the biggest example for me is we'll, we'll keep it with Boston topically, the late two thousands, early twenty tens Celtics teams in after the twenty ten season. Garnett, Pierce, Ray Allen, they were getting old. They were, you know, becoming injury prone. And Danny Age said, blow it up. We haven't seen the Celtics get back to the finals until now. Granted, they won that trade. They swindled the hell out of Brooklyn because that's probably the dumbest trade in NBA history. That's like Lou Brock for Ernie Brolio type stupid, but. Yeah. I mean, they kind of, in a weird way, built the the Nets to what they are now because they did. Because then the Nets turned around and traded off Garnett and uh, Pierce, Pierce, and got picks and basically used those picks to build what they eventually got: Spencer Dinwiddie and all those guys. Uh, and then eventually landing Kyrie and KD in free agency because of it. So they, in a weird way, Boston kind of built the Brooklyn Nets. But uh, I'm just but I'm go, go, at my the, point is. Golden State has shown more patience in there being there being a fall off, right? Well, they have a bigger wallet too. Did you see how much they're going to yeah. pay luxury tax? Like they people keep saying they bought this championship, but I'm like that's ridiculous. They they drafted the majority of this team. Jordan Poole was in the G League for like five years or something nuts. 
Kaminga was a lottery yeah. pick this past year. Kaminga was a lottery James pick. Wiseman, Wiseman, the number one overall pick. Yeah. Moody was a pick. Uh, pr- pretty much the whole team was drafted there, and they've played themselves into a position of making more money. Like, I wasn't and insulted look, the, what they did in the postgame. Uh, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins were talking about they're about to get the bag or whatever. Yep. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah. They are. Because yeah. Gold State can afford to pay them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They can, especially if they keep winning. I mean, they're going to keep winning like this for another couple of years. Why would you break it up? Like, I keep, I right. see, do you ever see like those weird NBA trade uh, things that happen in the summer? Like, it'll pop up and be like, here's a trade idea LeBron to the Nets for blah, yeah, the, blah, uh, blah. And it's like, the, what? The like, ESPN's <laughs> contractually obligated to discuss the NBA so many hours a day to keep its media rights deal kind of trade ideas. Well, no, it's not even that. It'll be like from clutch points or something like that, where they're just doing these that's random not, trades in the middle yeah. of thin air. And you're just like, that's not even possible. Like, why would you even like Kyrie to the Lakers or something like that? There's no reason to break up Golden State. I just saw LeBron talk about he wants to play for the Warriors. I'm like, dude, are you trying to be pushed out of the top 10 all time by just being like clingy? <laughs> like, is that where you're, <laughs> are you trying to do this? Because let me ask you this. After last night, is Steph in your top 10 all time? Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Who, who, gets, who gets kicked out? Like, who is your top 10? Because my my top 10, the guy that got kicked out of it was Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> so uh, who uh, – and I can make an argument for why. So who, who's in your top 10? I, I'm going to agree that Wilt would be the one that get, get, got kicked out. Which is nuts. man averaged 50 points per game for a in season. My, in my mind, Wilt <laughs> didn't have – the sustained success as a as a player championship wise, right? He won as two. A lot times. of these other guys did. He only won two. Yeah, and Russell is the main reason for that. Like uh, Russell won eleven. So I, if that's I why Bill Russell's Russell in my top up, five. I don't have him in the top five. I have I have him uh, at five, but I have, no. I have Jordan one, Kareem two, uh, LeBron three, Magic four, Kobe five, uh, Russell six. Um, Duncan seven, Curry eight. Who am I forgetting? Um, shoot, I'm forgetting to. And uh, uh, Shaq is like 10. I'm forgetting somebody. Um, maybe Wilt is still in my no, Bird. I'm sorry, Larry Bird. Larry yeah, Bird is uh, or eight, yeah. And all and all those in the top 10 for me have at least three championships. Yep, all those guys have at least one league MVP. If anything, uh, Wilt Chamberlain playing in Philadelphia all those years hurt him. Well, he won he one of them, really. He didn't start really winning until he went and played with Jerry West in L.A. So. Well, even that. They went to the finals like five or six times and only won once with Wilt, uh, the 72 Which team. Which is why Jerry West isn't in my top ten, and he's the freaking logo. I mean, he gets, you know. He gets, he, LeBron gets more credit for finishing in second than any other player I can think of in NBA history. I just yep. had this argument on Facebook 30 minutes ago that <laughs> because people were like, nah, it's too soon to say that he surpassed LeBron. I'm like, is it? <laughs> they both got the same amount of titles. Steph has two league MVPs. He's the only unanimous league MVP in history. Jordan. And I believe Jackson. he's on a very short list of guys that have won league MVP, finals MVP, and all-star game MVP. Yeah. It's like him, Jordan, uh, Shaq, um, I think Kobe is on that list. There's another list, too, list where it's like league MVP, NBA finals MVP, and scoring champion. And there's only like a, like LeBron, 
That's Curry, an even shorter Jordan. list that he's on. Yeah, so. it's like LeBron, Jordan, uh, Jordan, Curry. I think Shaq's on that list. Uh, there's only like four or five people on the list. So like he last night, he entered a different territory than where he was, and I already had him borderline top ten before last night. I have him securely in my top ten now. Like, dude's gonna play another five years. He entered that that upper echelon, that, no doubt about it. So here, here's my top ten: MJ, Kobe, LeBron. Is this an order? Yes. Okay. Shaq. Russell, Steph. Who am I forgetting here? Bird, Magic. Bird, Magic, Kareem. You got Kareem at tenth. I have Kareem at tenth. I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to explain. <laughs> Why is Kareem tenth? <laughs> Maybe it's my modernity. <laughs> the fact that the back half of guys I wasn't alive to see play. I but, didn't watch Will Chamberlain play, but I know enough to know he's sniffing around my top ten. He was like at five at one point last summer, but I want to be honest. When I read off my list, I forgot Kareem existed there for a second. So that shows I mean, he's you how much I watch the N- NBA. That shows you how much NBA I watch when the Hornets are out of it. <laughs> I mean, like how much like NBA Carl I watch that's not the Hornets. Somebody like Carl Malone, he's like in my top 15. He's the second leading scorer. Well, third now. LeBron took second. He's the See, third th- leading scorer in NBA history. I don't think about guys like that as much. I think about people like, I don't know, Detlef Schrimpf, Sean what? Kemp, what? Gary <laughs> Payton. These people could have white chocolate, Jason. People that are good cards in 2K. <laughs> like 96 overall, white chocolate. Like my, automatic. What? My, my point was after last night, people are trying to – it feels like people are trying to protect this pedestal that they put LeBron on after the, the Lakers title uh, oh. two years ago. Like they had put him in this position where he could legit – He's been kicked off league. of it. He's well, been kicked now, under it. Now. Yeah. But back then it was like, okay, that ring put him into a – now he could be in the conversation of he, maybe he is the GOAT. Not, not that he is, but now he could legit have the conversation. After now, the past Stephen, years, Stephen Curry, if anything, maybe not the GOAT conversation, but – He's kicking in. He's kicking in a door. Like he, Steph is making a point of who's really the greatest of this generation, right? Like, is it LeBron? Because Steph has a sweep on him in the finals. You know, like Steph has that unanimous MVP. LeBron doesn't have that. Steph's been in the finals, well, won four out of the past eight years. <laughs> LeBron doesn't have a streak like that. And so. the only time he lost is when LeBron pretty much beat him single handedly. So. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, well, no, that, that well, the, it was the only year the Cavs were fully healthy when they got there with Kyrie, and because Kyrie had a lot to do with them right. coming back from three-one, um, and right. Kevin Love. But LeBron hasn't done it with a homegrown team. All of LeBron's teams have been pieced together for LeBron. This Golden State team was put together from around scratch. Steph through, from scratch in the draft. Yeah, and key free agency pickups, but. I guess that's going to be the question going forward. Like, who should be like considered the greatest player of this era? Because you can't be the uh, goat. I think if you're not the greatest player in your own time. I think, and this brings up another question. I know we got to get in the break here in a second, but it brings up another question of, all right, what model as a championship aspiring franchise in the NBA do you want to follow? What what model best suits you to follow? Is it the Golden State model? to build around a star player in the draft, or is it to go out and trade and spend a whole ton of money? 
Like the there, there's one or two ways to do this, and the former is working out a lot more successfully than the latter right now, and that's Golden State. Four titles in eight years, and a very small handful of these guys they brought in have been free agent signings or trade acquisitions. Andre Iguodala has been there forever. He was signed as a free agent. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was brought in at a trade. Look. It's a great trade. In fact. It was a fantastic trade. Yeah. And when Golden State makes a trade, it's it's – it's a big brain move. So as soon as they got him, I was just like, "Oh man, Wiggins is about to take over that Harrison Barnes, Kevin Durant, yep. small forward." He had spot. that exact. That's the exact role they had in mind for him. Mm-hmm. And this year, more than any other, he played it to a T all throughout the postseason, all throughout the finals. So you can't sit here and tell me that this isn't a dynasty because because it is. All right, let's get in the break here. When we come back, uh, we got Stanley Cup final to talk about. There's a lot of events that happened. Wednesday night in Denver, including our good friend Sean McDonough sucking again. But there was a hockey game that got played, too. He didn't just, just didn't do a good job of calling it. We'll be back. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. This is Davis Troxler, the proud owner of North Carolina Golf Academy and the director of instruction. Don't let your golf game suffer from this dreary winter season. Come hit some golf balls, take a lesson. You can call us at 336-324-2374 for details. Thank you, and keep it in the fairway. Hey, are you sitting around wondering how much your house is worth in today's economy? We'll wonder no more. Just ask your agent. Jenny Fulton with Allen Tate Realtors can help. Contact Jenny today for a free analysis on your home. Call her at 336-978-0041 or email at jenny.fulton at allentate.com and get the easy process started today. Why wait? In the market to buy, Jenny can help you find a perfect home in the triad also. Jenny Fulton, Allen Tate Realty. Call 336-978-0041. Start the process and ask your agent today. Walkertown Auto Sales. Look no further when shopping for your next vehicle. Located in the heart of the triad at 3076 Walkertown View Drive in Walkertown, Walkertown Auto Sales specializes in affordable and reliable used cars, trucks, and SUVs. They offer financing with good credit, bad credit, or no credit, with interest rates as low as 3.9%. With knowledgeable employees that are always willing to go the extra mile, you'll drive away with the car of your dreams at Walkertown Auto Sales. Check out the entire online inventory now at Walkertown Auto Sales. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio's TGIF lineup. Because it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. I ain't set this up. I ain't know nothing about this. This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Damn it. You're welcome. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Jack Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike Tyson looks like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He done whipped Mike Tyson ass. He whipped all ass. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something. One ball. Rocky Marciano was good. But the bad Joe Lewis. And of course, the best sports debate in the triad. Big Joe Lewis is this. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. I don't know how old he was. He got it. 
Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We're back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Joined, as always, our producer, Desmond Johnson, and co-host, Christian Emery. Christian, Wednesday night, Ball Arena, Denver. Um... Game one of the Stanley Cup final, fairly eventful. Um, Sean McDonough, again, dropped the ball multiple times in calling it. <clears throat> I'll give him credit. The 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 overtime goal call was was was, was pretty good. It was decent. Um, the other goal calls, especially yeah. the one where, that tied the game, weak. Just yeah. mid. Mid. Like the definition of mid. Yeah. And he, it's kind of sad we've reached the point. I mean, I knew it was going to happen at some point, but I, I and we'll get to this particular guy in a few, in a little bit, I'm sure. But I, I just miss Doc Emmert calling these games every year. There, he's on the he's on a different level than most announcers for any across the uh, across the field of sports. That he's just, I just I just miss him calling it. His calls always, regardless of. If it was a five to one game or a, in this case, he a made, three, he found three game. a way to make it sound exciting. And it's, here's what Doc Emmerich actually this week, um, and I talked about it on my Twitter earlier in the week. The goat spoke um, about ESPN's first year uh, back of coverage. Doc said they've got to do a better job to try and win these people, win hockey fans over if they want to be competitive. Doc said what I've said, which is, this wasn't in the quote that I posted, but Doc praised TNT for how they they did things. Turner, like we said, the last, one of the last couple of shows, Turner knocked it out of the park. I mean, they sucker punched ESPN in terms of the quality of the coverage. ESPN gets more Stanley Cup finals. That's the only downside. Um, Doc was also mad that Nobody at ESPN reached out to Gary Thorne about coming back. And Christian, when you talk about somebody that found a way to make a game exciting, Gary Thorne was it. And look, Steve Levy was their number two play-by-play guy back then. He gets relegated to studio duty. John Bouchergross and Steve Levy, the entire time ESPN has not had hockey, are pretty much the only two people other than Linda Cohn there that even cared. Yeah. Um, so they should have gotten a much bigger role in terms Absolutely. of play-by-play. Bouchergrass, all he got to call was ESPN Plus exclusive games. Bob was choosing if anybody other than Sean McDonough was going to be number one, should have been him. But, um, and I didn't know Bob was choosing could call a hockey game like that. He, he was fantastic all year. Loved yeah. him. Um, but that being said, Ray Ferraro has to pick up a lot of slack on Sean McDonough. <laughs> yeah, the good thing is Ray Ferraro is wildly entertaining. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I that's mean, neither, neither here nor there. It's not super important to the discussion, but go ahead. If it was up to me, I think I just, because like, these are the three that I kind of grew up watching ESPN and having them uh, explain hockey or they, the three biggest supporters of hockey over ESPN that I've, since I've been watching sports center and all them, I'd have Levy and Melrose do the puppet player color. Probably Levy play by play Melrose on color, and then have Linda Cohn as a sideline reporter. 
that would probably that would probably be the mo- a much more entertaining co- uh, group than Sean McDonough and all the other people who. No, Ray, Ray Ferraro is fantastic. Yeah. Put Ray Ferraro with Bob Wischusen. That that's a good yeah, pair. I can see that. Brian Boucher with Steve Levy. That's good. Melrose and Bucci, or vice versa. Flip the two. Kevin Weeks um, broke the news that uh, John Tortorella was hired as the Flyers head coach from behind some curtain somewhere in Ball Arena gorilla, the other day. I thought it was gorilla position for a wrestling match or something. But <laughs> he broke Bruce Cassidy to Vegas from the bottom of a treadmill. So good hire by Vegas, by the way. But. Yeah. Very good hire. Very smart hire. Uh, Barry Trotz, we'll see if he takes that free beer to go back home to Winnipeg. <laughs> um, by the way, in case you missed it, the Winnipeg, the city of Winnipeg, well, it's not even a city. It's more of a, a, a township because um, there's the arena is only 15,000 seats, and that's about the entire population. For a franchise known as the Jets, they don't even have an airport. Um Barry Trotz, who was relieved of his duties, stupidly, by the New York Islanders because none of their struggles this year were his fault. No, um, he started the season on a 13-game road trip. That's 13-game road trip, it, and pretty much four of your top six forwards were hurt yeah, most exactly. of the year. So, no, none of that was his fault. Um, but he's jobless at the moment. He's a Winnipeg native. Uh, there's a brewery in Winnipeg that That's, has offered yeah. him free beer for life. Um, if he takes the job to resurrect the Winnipeg Jets, who, for lack of better phrasing, have been broken since they blew that lead in the third period against the uh, those guys <laughs> yep. in the first round of the 2019 playoffs. Yeah. And I think... It's not the first franchise the Blues have broken. They broke Boston, too, so... Thank you for that, by the way. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but if... Yeah, if I'm Trotz, I'd heavily consider... I mean, he's... I think he's from four... At- I don't know which direction, but he's from about four hours from Winnipeg. I mean, and I can't really think of another coach on the four market. hours from Winnipeg is like rock throwing distance from here to somewhere. Like it's yeah. Winnipeg's just so small. It's close to everything. Again, they don't have an airport. <laughs> it's Not like the wrong. green Bay of the NHL, except there's much less mystique. Yep. Yeah. You're not wrong. And I, but Getting back to what I was saying, I think that Trotz is probably the biggest um, name left on the market outside He's of... by far the biggest name left on the board. Outside of maybe, and I would be very hesitant if I'm a team, just given the circumstances around this particular coach. But if I don't know if Joe Quinville would ever want to come back, given... I don't know if he talk- can. Yeah. I don't know again, if anybody's going to take him. Exactly. So... If he if he were to want to coach again and somebody was interested, I'd maybe reach out to him. But Trotz right now is probably the uh, the best coach available. Thankfully, he didn't go to Philadelphia. Tortorella going to Philadelphia is hilarious because he belongs in a city like Philadelphia. But did you did you see <laughs> Gritty? No, I didn't. He pulled out receipts from Tortorella bashing him on television. Wow. Gritty, don't forget, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, you, to be fair. Torts, you're going to have to go one-on-one with America's big orange furry bug-eyed superstar. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, when I first saw Gritty, I thought he looked like the, uh, I forget, but it's like that orange hairy creature from Looney Tunes back in the 19... Uh, you know what I thought he looked yeah. like? 
if Yo Gabba Gabba was made by people who were on acid. I looked at Gritty the first <laughs> time fair. he the first time he was revealed on social media, and I said, That thing's gonna walk up to children. Yeah. It looks that's... like it's going to drop kick the children. Yeah, that's I don't I don't what was their mascot before Gritty? They didn't have one. Okay, then that that's that... why they came up with Gritty. <laughs> Again, okay. don't have a mascot. The best we can come up with is is a coked out version of a Yo Gabba Gabba character. Okay, cool. Anyways, back to the actual hockey. Yeah, there's a formula for Colorado to win this series and prevent a three-peat. They've got to find some kind of physical edge. Now they found a way to outscore Tampa the other night, but Tampa battled back in that game multiple times because you know what they did? They had long shifts. Yeah. They wore Colorado down in their own zone. That's something Colorado's done a fantastic job of all playoffs. They've only lost twice, both to the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, and I think... Because they swept the other two series. So this is a dominant team. Tampa yeah. Bay has not been a dominant team in this particular playoffs. But no. they have that pedigree, and they know how to wear people down. The other thing is, for Colorado, he's skating but he's not out there yet. Nazem Kadri, um, who was injured by Vander Kane in the Western Conference Final, he's the closest thing Colorado has to an enforcer right now, or a pest, somebody that can anger the other side. He's still not out there. So Tampa Bay almost feels like they've got free reign uh, physically because they have Pat Maroon, whose literal job is not to score or even touch the puck. It's to hit people. Yeah, and I think when you combine that with the fact that Tampa has been, they've been in this situation before. Heck, they were in. And the only reason they came back in that game, other than just, you know, great cycle job, they showed the pedigree. Yeah. Colorado's biggest lesson before tomorrow night, keep your foot on the gas. Yeah, If there's any team you don't want to give the smallest sliver of momentum to, it's the one that's going for a three-peat. Yeah, because they've been here before. They've done this. Yeah, we. They know the drill. They, yeah, they've done it twice in the in the in the. Uh, what, what, they've done it twice in this playoff already. They were down one nothing to the Maple Leafs, and then they were down two nothing to the Rangers. Came back and won four in a row, or however many in a row, whatever. And uh, see, yeah, that's I mean, why I don't think this is Saturday night's necessarily a must win. No, because they have trailed in every series at one point to this point, whether it was 1-0, 2-0, 2-1. They, yeah, they, yeah. they found a way because they, yeah. they've been here, but they're not they're not phased by anything. No, and they have plenty of, exper- yeah, plenty of experience. You have Stamkos, you have Kucherov, you have Vasilevsky, who I guess, I don't know what it is about game ones, but he... Um, yeah, he he's less than stellar for whatever reason, and... Yeah. Look, I'm sorry, as good as Darcy Kemper has been all playoffs, the only way that Colorado wins this series is if they outscore Tampa. Because Darcy yeah. Kemper is not going to keep more than three, four goals out of the net. Um, no. And this this is where Colorado's got to find that, they got to find a way to at least match the physicality. They're not going to out-hit Tampa. No. They're not going to out-cycle Tampa. They've got to find a way to do what Tampa has done so well the past two years, 
which is match their skill and their physicality, mesh the two together. The Hurricanes have done that really well to this point, too, the past couple of years. Match that and ride it. Yeah, and pretty much. The reason that Colorado has fallen short the last two or three years of getting to this point is because they hadn't done it. They had done it to this point. They out-hit St. Louis in five out of the six games in that series. Nobody out-hits a Craig Berube team unless they're absolutely trying to. Yeah, and I think Tampa has, to me, to beat the, I mean, I said it last year, and I'll say it again, until Tampa does not repeat as a champion, you have to out-Tampa Tampa. Exactly. And, and that's not something that you can do. Because that does not involve circumventing the salary cap. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and who was their head coach before uh, John Cooper? Do you remember? See, that's the thing. I don't know. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter to my point. I think it's, John Cooper's like second year, they weren't even supposed to even come close to making it. They made it in 17 and lost to the Blackhawks. Was it 17 or 16? Uh, I think it was 17. No. I think it, it was, was either. It may, it may have actually, been 15. It might have been 15. It was John Cooper's like first or second year. Yeah. They make, yeah. Um, and then in but, 19, they have like the greatest regular season of all time and get and swept. Class. Yeah. That was a that was a very Virginia like moment because they had to yep. come back the next year and then well of course they had to go in the bubble and all that but it's, again neither yep. here nor there. But anyway, um, uh, for John Cooper, he's kind of instilled that that uh, that playing style of okay we're going to be tough and we're going to be able to score. You're going to have to beat us physically to beat us. And to this point in the playoffs for a seven game series, no one's been able to do that in in three years. No one's so. been able to play a complete seven-game series and beat Tampa at their own game. Yeah. But if exactly. there's any team that can do it, I feel like Colorado can because they have the size, they have the skill. The only thing is if they can get JT Comfer and Nazem Kadri back out there. Um, I believe Andrew Cagliano was skating today. I don't know if he's going to draw in, uh, but that's another guy they can use as uh, – as kind of a, a fourth line, kind of grinder, kind of guy. All lines have to step up. All defensemen have to step up. Darcy Kemper is going to have to make saves. Not even he thinks he can make. Yeah. That's the only way you're going you're gonna to win this. Yeah, and you're going to have to... I Colorado, I mean, they're also going to have to learn to somehow, some way, shut down one of Steven Stamkos or Nikita Kucherov. Which and is, on the flip side of that, if, month, you're, but... if you're Tampa... You've got to find a way to slow down McKinnon, Rantanen, and Burakovsky. Burakovsky yeah, and, scored the overtime winner off a rebound. Yeah. And I think one if you look at the game past the the game, the first period was dominated by Colorado, which I think they were up three one after that. And Tampa I think scores. they went into that locker room feeling themselves a little bit. Yeah. And Tampa and, came back in that second period and punched them in the mouth. Twice. Yeah, two goal, two goals in forty eight seconds. Um, and then the third period, I think both teams were kind of like, okay, let's not make that bonehead mistake that gives them gives them uh, gives the other team the lead. And then in overtime, and both, yeah, both teams played tentative in that third period, and then overtime, it's all hell. It was just it was just a bad turnover in overtime that led yep. to the goal. Um, but yeah, they, I think Colorado, I I would feel confident that you know you can beat them now. But don't do like some teams I feel like in the past have, and you say, okay, we beat Tampa once, we're going to win the series. And 
Toronto. I, I, I think that's what they went into their dressing room after the first period was Wednesday night. It said, oh, we're at 3-1. We got this. We're good. Yeah, no. We can't. back off a little bit. No, you don't back off against these guys, period. Yeah. Two-time defending going for a three-peat, you, you can't do that at all. You know how um, hard this is to do in the NHL compared to every other sport? I mean, I think... It hasn't been done since the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. Was the Islanders that won four straight, or did they go to four straight finals? They won four straight. Okay, yeah. The only teams that have come close are Chicago and Pittsburgh recently. And they either got to the third one and lost or didn't get to the third one at all. <clears throat> the Washington Capitals had something to say about the third one. Um, all right, we got to get in the break here. Again, Game 2, Stanley Cup Final tomorrow night, uh, ABC, 8 o'clock. So there's no NBA Finals anymore. So turn all your attention on ABC to Sean McDonough Battling not calling about a hockey. hockey. Yeah, knowing nothing about hockey and Ray Ferraro saving his backside time and time again. So if you want to hear an unexciting hockey call, uh, tune in. Um, if not, find the Canadian Sportsnet broadcast. I don't know. All right. We got to get in the break. When we come back, College World Series is underway. Uh, Oklahoma and Texas A&M are in action right now. Oklahoma is throttling their future, uh, actually past, now future, conference mate uh, in Texas A&M. Uh, we got more to talk about. Notre Dame representing the ACC. We'll break all that down after this. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Welcome to The Pit Stop, the only radio show produced in the triad dedicated to Bowman Gray coverage every single week. Join host Brett Wiseman for exclusive coverage and interviews with your favorite drivers at the Madhouse, plus recaps of the previous week's races. Coverage of all divisions, modified sportsman, street stock, and stadium stock. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM or throughout the week during the season on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken and sides for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we ask the tough questions. Hey, you got any left-handed footballs? We're never afraid to tell you how we feel. Oh, we look like the damn bad news bears. We'll debate sports. We'll debate anything. And you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Not the winner, but yet he did. No, he didn't. Yet he did. No, he did not. No matter what, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has you covered. I'm going to come right back at him. You're listening to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair. All tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. 
franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what our work we're doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in, uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to, Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise players every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG 1320 a.m. and WTOB 988. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Back here on the score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside Christian Emery, our producer Desmond Johnson. Um, got College World Series action underway. Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma has opened up the can on the fifth overall seed in the tournament, I might add. That's uh, 12-3 now, Boomer Sooner. Uh, top of the fourth, one out. Uh, Sooners just had a uh, bases clearing. I'm guessing it was a single. I don't know how it would be, but that's what the ESPN app has it listed as. Uh, Notre Dame, the ACC representative in Omaha this year of the Omaha 8. Uh, they'll play Texas uh, tonight. Again, this is double elimination. Reminder. Um, tomorrow, two games. Stanford and Arkansas open bracket two. Uh, and Auburn and Ole Miss, um, they'll round things out in tomorrow's action. And losers go to the losers bracket. Um, winners, of course, move on to the winners bracket. Winner plays the winner, loser plays the loser, and then it's just it's a round robin thing. And it's it can get complicated and convoluted at times. But once you get to the final, it's a best two out of three. Period. That's boom. Once we get there, we're good. There's a lot to unpack on a lot of these teams. Oklahoma went into Blacksburg and beat one of the best teams in the country in Virginia Tech uh, to get here. Um, Notre Dame, I believe, the past two seasons has broken the NCAA tournament record for home runs by a single team uh, the past two tournaments. Um, the Golden Domers, they, they, they slug a ton. Um, and that's what's gotten them to this point. We'll find out how good that is against a Texas team that is about as pitching laden as it gets. Stanford is too. Stanford comes out of a conference in the Pac-12 where pitching is paramount, to say the least, because weather-wise, and I would know this because I did a lot with Washington State baseball this year, weather-wise, there's not a whole lot of room for offense. You know, a lot of the Washington State games I was in the studio for here uh, in Winston-Salem, out on the Palouse in Pullman, game time temperature at 6 o'clock in late April when it's 75 here, uh, 38 degrees and spitting mist, you know. And it's like that pretty much everywhere in the Pac-12, except for UCLA and USC. Arizona, also an exception. They're here too. Um, 
Washington, Washington State, you know, Oregon State, Oregon. Like the Pac-12 is a tremendous baseball conference, but the clubs are built differently than any other clubs in the nation because they're stacked with pitching and because the only way you win a lot of those big conference games is one nothing, two nothing, three two, two one. You scratch out a couple, and your starter goes out there and throws seven innings, and you move on. That's the other thing is you'll see programs have you know a Friday night starter. They have an ace. They have you know what an MLB team would be their fifth starter at a rotation would go in the midweek game. Let's trickle on down the line. Any number of the pitchers from Arkansas, Texas, or Stanford, especially Stanford, could start on a Friday night for 75% of the other teams in the country. Could be a Friday night or a Saturday night starter for any of those teams. But Stanford, again, the only question for them is are they going to have the offense they proved it the back half of their super regional in Palo Alto uh, from Sunken Diamond against UConn, uh, who beat Wake Forest and Maryland to get out of the College Park uh, regional. Texas, if you don't know, and Tennessee didn't get here, by the way. Um, Notre Dame took care of that. Um, so we're, we get no volunteer firemen, which, before I get to the next point, for the folks that don't watch college baseball for when it starts in February to now, they just see, oh, wow, number one seed went down. Wow, Tennessee must be bad. Tennessee, it's not, no. This is baseball. One team gets hot on a given day, boom. Same thing as if a team gets hot at the right time in, say, the New York Giants. Both years they won the Super Bowl mid-regular season, they get in the playoffs, they go into Lambeau, they beat two of the best Packers teams in the past 25 years, and they win the Super Bowl twice. In Major League Baseball, nobody expected Kansas City to go from a wild card game to the World Series in 2014. They did that. So, I mean, NHL, too. St. Louis, last place, halfway through the season, going to run, win the Cup. March Madness. Teams uh, hot shooting. UMBC. UNC last year. Yeah. They could beat um, a team that's quote-unquote better. Um, that's what happened here. On those two particular days, or those, two of those three particular days, Tennessee did not hit. Notre Dame did. And Notre Dame pitched. Tennessee did not. So, yeah, there from, you go. Yeah, from what I've... Uh, we do a show... Uh, we run a show from Learfield. It's a uh, prime time in the ACC. The um, from what I've been, from what I've seen, Notre Dame sh- they should have been. Uh, there's a lot of people were kind of questioning why they were not at top. Notre uh, Dame honestly could have hosted a regional and probably yeah. should have. But yeah, there were right. a couple of bad non-conference losses earlier on in the season um, that derailed them that opportunity, but. They more than proved they deserved that opportunity at some point. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say is they they were kind of surprised that uh, Notre Dame didn't get to host or they weren't ranked among the higher single digit seeds to host. And from right, what I've seen, they, top sixteen get to host yeah, that. So yeah, they could they could very well. I'm not surprised they're that they're here, but they definitely that I 
I don't know if I expected them to beat Tennessee, but I figured, okay, if they have to play a team like Tennessee, they're certainly more than capable of beating them. But I, I think Notre, from Tennessee's perspective, Notre Dame was the last team they wanted to see yeah. come into that Super Regional in Knoxville. Um, speaking of Texas, Ivan Melendez, um, who's also known as the uh, Hispanic Titanic uh, for his tape measure home runs, one of which... In the Super Regional against East Carolina, which Texas won um, at like 1.30 in the morning a week and a half ago because it was rained out from like 4 o'clock on. Um, Melendez hit a ball in Greenville, North Carolina that I don't think any baseball has ever landed at unless it was... No, sorry. There's just no way a baseball has ever landed that far. He hit it over the jungle on the street. So like... 470, probably. Normal human beings don't do that. Um, but he's been named the uh, Dick Hauser Trophy winner. That's the college baseball Heisman. Most outstanding player. Um, and in a season in college baseball that's only 60 games as opposed to 160 games, 32 home runs and 94 RBIs. Those are numbers that some guys don't get in a full 162-game Major League Baseball season, okay? So, he's a stud. Big reason why Texas is where they are right now, and we'll see them against the aforementioned Notre Dame later tonight. Um, Ole Miss, as much of a powerhouse as they are, was not a lock to get into this tournament. They had a middle-of-the-road regular season, um, they were preseason number two, came out of the gates and got swept in a non-conference series by Long Beach State at home the first weekend of the season. As Actually, I believe they were preseason number one and got swept by Long Beach first weekend of the season. So um, that bunch down in Oxford has had a lot to deal with for what's really a, a, a blue blood of, of college baseball. They and Mississippi State both. I, I like to call Mississippi the, you know, Indiana's the state of basketball. You know, I, Texas would probably be the state of football. Mississippi is the state of college baseball. Uh, Ole Miss and yeah. Southern Miss went at it in the Super Regional in Hattiesburg. Um, Ole Miss was very much on the bubble. Again, this is preseason number one team in the country. That was in danger of missing the tournament. Uh, very much on the bubble, and they lost on the second day of the SEC tournament. So they went home from Hoover, Alabama, not knowing what their fate was going to be. But because NC State was given the boot because of their result against Wake Forest, which the committee said even if NC State had won one of those three games against Wake Forest, they would have gotten in. Instead, they got swept the last week of the regular season by Wake Forest. Wake Forest got in over NC State, and then there was a vacant spot in the last four in, kind of. Ole Miss got in, and committee made the right choice. Tim Elko, if you haven't seen, um, that speaking of imagine baseballs, that's what all that guy does. Like He, he goes to sleep hitting 112-mile-an-hour line drives at people. Um he also had two torn ACLs last year that he played through in both knees. So he's also not human. Um, I'm convinced he's an alien of some kind. Um, 
hit baseballs into orbit through that whole Super Regional. We'll see him tomorrow. And we'll see an an unfamiliar face in baseball. Uh, That'd be Auburn. Um, First time they've been here in in, in quite a while. Um, They hosted a Super Regional. They came out of it with a walk-off win uh, to win their Super Regional. So we've got Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Auburn, and Arkansas. Half of the Omaha eight are from the SEC. The SEC is the college baseball conference. <clears throat> it just means more. I hate that. Um, if you know me, you know how I feel about the pretentiousness of the SEC, but yep. it cannot be ignored that in a year that many within the sport thought that the SEC was having probably its most down year um, in terms of the quality of the teams that were coming out of it, they get half the Omaha eight. Granted, one of them is getting shellacked right now, but Texas A&M is not the worst of that bunch. Auburn's the less than stellar of that bunch, but Arkansas didn't have their real desired level of regular season either, even though they were in the top five, top ten all year. And look, if Tennessee would have gotten here, we would have had five out of eight out of the SEC. So, And this is not a year when a usual suspect like Vanderbilt is out here in Omaha. I mean, Auburn's not a usual suspect. Mm -hmm. So Oklahoma's not a usual suspect. Texas is. The other schools are. uh, Auburn and uh, Ole Miss and Arkansas are. But there's just a back half of Stanford is, I guess, to an extent. But Notre Dame's not a mainstay. That program's been on the come up the past couple of years. And now they've, they've gotten here. That's the goal is to get to Omaha, and they've been close the last couple of years, and uh, now they get here. Um, one thing to watch out for, and I, I, I think the Omahaogs, Arkansas, who beat North Carolina in the Chapel Hill Super Regional, um, they I think they've got to be the favorites because, to me, the only difference I see starkly is Arkansas has the pitching and they have the offense and the, the the two things have come together and that's how they've rocketed from kind of a, a middle of the road murky water portion of the regular season the back half and then shot through the SEC tournament to get here um i i think they're the favorite because of all the pieces they have but don't count anybody out this is this is not like a final four this is not like a college football playoff this is the College World Series, especially in terms of format, and being that it's double elimination, A, B, the final is best two out of three, is the most unpredictable, quote-unquote, championship that the NCAA puts on, period. The most unpredictable one at all. The only one that rivals it is the Frozen Four in hockey. Yeah, I can. I agree with that. They, Yeah, two out of three kind of makes it a little it kind of makes it it makes it a lot more unpredictable plus you have the winner and the loser bracket so one team that goes to a loser bracket could very well and play look, the one team, team that, that could them. get shellacked the first game could go on a run and win the whole thing yeah and, and after game one you're thinking oh they're done they lost 14 to nothing they might not lose again yeah and one thing i one thing that i always kind of hope for when this happens is okay did who beat this team to send them to the loser bracket? I kind of always hope that 
the team that sends sends a team to the loser bracket play each other in the college world series just to kind of settle it and see ultimately who is the best team but that's the best thing is there's that possibility of, of things coming back full circle at the end of this next week and a half uh out at uh, Charles Schwab Ballpark in the great city of Omaha, Nebraska, uh, home of the College World Series. Uh, when we come back, we'll kick off hour two. Today is a day that 28 years ago, uh, a man named Al Callings and another man named O.J. Simpson got into a white Ford Bronco and pretty much captured the entire collective attention of the millions of citizens of Los Angeles um, and God knows who else, 95 million people tuned into the live coverage. But it, the day wasn't significant because of that. There's a 30 for 30 on this. That's what we're going to build off of. There were many, many more significant events in sports that day, not just specifically the O.J. Simpson former football star being chased on two counts of first-degree murder thing, but... There were a lot of significant events in sports that intertwined into that uh, that we're going to break down when we come back. I don't think it's something that a lot of people realize, especially if you haven't seen the 30 for 30, but we're going to talk about it. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, if my game starts to slide, if my game starts to slide, I have no fear. I have no fear. My brother got my gun. My brother got my gun. Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Oh, are we right here? Are we right here? Oh, we right here? TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. This is Davis Troxler, the proud owner of North Carolina Golf Academy and the director of instruction. Don't let your golf game suffer from this dreary winter season. Come hit some golf balls, take a lesson. You can call us at 336-324-2374 for details. Thank you and keep it in the fairway. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. 
Welcome to The Pit Stop, the only radio show produced in the triad dedicated to Bowman Gray coverage every single week. Join host Brett Wiseman for exclusive coverage and interviews with your favorite drivers at the Madhouse, plus recaps of the previous week's races. Coverage of all divisions, modified sportsman, street stock, and stadium stock. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM or throughout the week during the season on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Hey, are you sitting around wondering how much your house is worth in today's economy? We'll wonder no more. Just ask your agent. Jenny Fulton with Allen Tate Realtors can help. Contact Jenny today for a free analysis on your home. Call her at 336-978-0041 or email at jenny.fulton at allentate.com and get the easy process started today. Why wait in the market to buy? Jenny can help you find a perfect home in the triad also. Jenny Fulton. Allen Tate Realty. Call 336-978-0041. Start the process and ask your agent today. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Here on the score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Sports Radio, Tobacco Sports Radio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside producer Desmond Johnson, co-host Christian Emery. Uh, that update from the College World Series we told you about is actually a grand slam uh, from Jackson Nicholas with the bases loaded. It was 8-3 at that point. It's now 12-3 Oklahoma over the fifth overall seed, Texas A&M. Again, Notre Dame and Texas coming up tonight and then uh, the other two matchups to come tomorrow. This date is significant not just because of the Bronco chase, but there were a lot of other things as we talked about before the break as touched on in the incredibly well done 30. It's my favorite 30 for 30 of all time. And I I watch it every year for this reason. There's no talking heads. There's no interviews. There's no narration. It's, 100% 100% raw news footage of everything that happened that day and, you know, the few days leading up to it. So we'll get to how the OJ Bronco thing ties into all of this, um, but there were significant things in sports that happened other than that uh, all along this day. And Des lived it, so he'll talk about it too here in a second. Um, the New York Rangers, something that at, at, at that point in time, the entire Rangers fan base didn't think they'd live to see them win a Stanley Cup, a lot like we Blues fans went through. Uh, 54-year curse ended. They beat the Vancouver Canucks in seven games. Um, June 7th, they beat that beat them on the 14th. Um, 17th was the Stanley Cup parade uh, through the streets of Manhattan. That night in Manhattan, the Knicks were hosting the Rockets and gave a pivotal Game 5 of that NBA Finals. The Knicks would win that game. Um, but it's what happened during the broadcast that we'll get to in a second that that's of importance. Um, the United States was hosting the World Cup, which had not happened before. It has not happened since until it will in 2026 when all of North America hosts it and the vast majority um, of the host cities will be in the United States in case you missed that list that came out yesterday, Kansas City, uh, Foxborough, Philadelphia, um, uh, there's uh, Vancouver, Seattle, there's a lot of well, Vancouver's in Canada, but Seattle, there's 
16 host cities were announced yesterday, and the majority of them are in the United States. Um, but it is the first time a World Cup will have three host nations total. Um, but this was significant because in 1994, in terms of the world stage of soccer, the United States had still not jammed its foot into that door. The interest still was not quite there. If anything, the World Cup in 94 kickstarted the MLS. Kickstarted the movement for MLS. Might not have kickstarted that league, but it kickstarted the idea of one. Um, Soldier Field in Chicago hosted the opening ceremony. Ger- Ger- Germany and Bolivia, I believe, played the opener. Korea played the nightcap. It was uh, two matches. Brazil went on to win that World Cup, but um, that was a significant event for for the country overall uh, to host a World Cup at Soldier Field. Oprah was there. Uh, she opened things up. The Chicago native President Bill Clinton was there. He spoke, uh, basically welcoming the soccer world to the United States, saying that soccer was a unifying game, and, and you know, so on and so forth. But and it, it, significant. Um, speaking of the U.S., um, Arnold Palmer at the U.S. Open was playing playing in his final round of his final U.S. Open. He finished the day before at six over, I believe. Um, so he was in very real danger of missing the cut. There was pretty much no chance he was going to make the cut. Um, so everyone went into day two of that U.S. Open knowing that was going to be Arnold Palmer's final round of competitive touring major tournament golf. He played on the senior tour until 2006, but that was the last time he played a major or even minor you know, tournament round of tournament golf. Um, when he walked to the 18th that day, Brett Musburger said on the call, it's like watching Babe Ruth go to his last at bat. It's like watching, we thought we were going to watch it. We didn't Tom Brady taking one final knee. It, you know, it's, it's like the greatest of eras taking that final bow. It's like the last time Michael Jordan walked off the court. It was in a wizard uniform, but still, you know. Last time an Ozzie Smith would walk to the plate or something like that. It, it, it was that kind of significance. Arnold Palmer didn't usually break down about a lot of stuff, but he couldn't get through the interview right after with ESPN, and he couldn't get through the post-round uh, p- uh, press conference either. Meanwhile, <clears throat> in Kansas City, Ken Griffey Jr. hit his 30th home run into the fountain at Kauffman Stadium against the Royals. Well, well on pace to break the then yet to be broken Roger Maris 61 home run single season record. He was halfway there by June, which McGuire and Sosa were, but no one else had been that close or that well on pace to that point. So the thinking was, yeah, he, he can do it, especially because he plays his home games indoors. Um, MLBPA went on strike almost exactly two months later. So there there was no way we would have known. Also, the Montreal Expos were 30 games over 500 on June 17th, 1994. The now Washington Nationals, the only chance that team ever had any semblance shred of success and the canceling of that season, if anything, broke the franchise and killed baseball in Montreal because 
for the next 10 years, they mired in mediocrity and in 2004 moved to Washington, D.C. and became the Nationals. Anyways, so all that is happening. All the while, as the day moves on, we're watching Arnold Palmer go through his final round of his final U.S. Open. We're watching Rangers fans celebrate in the streets. They're preparing for the next game that night at the same time. Mayor Rudy Giuliani saying at the Stanley Cup parade, hey, uh, you guys want to come back next week? Yeah, go root for the Knicks then. We like this party, don't we? Yeah. Um, again, that was in the you know middle two years where the, the Bulls were not the Bulls because Michael Jordan was not there. Um, <clears throat> that was actually a really good Knicks-Rockets series. Uh, really two evenly matched team. Well, not evenly, evenly matched, but... Um, like 11.30, 12 o'clock that day, you've got Arnold Palmer, you've got the parade happening, you've got... And then the news breaks that OJ's been charged. We knew... <clears throat> I say we like I was alive. Des, folks knew... How, when well, were you born? 97. Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> I've just done a, I've done a lot of, because this is a fascinating series of events. All right, so I was... In 94, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, and that was back when me and my buddies watched every NBA game. Uh, it felt like in this you know, NBA finals, the first finals in three years that didn't have Jordan and the Bulls in it, uh, Knicks and Rockets. So, so there were a lot more eyeballs on people that might have been turned off by the Bulls, the, the, you know, the, the same uh, team wins everything kind of crowd. No, that sentiment wasn't there. Um, it wasn't like LeBron fatigue. Um, people enjoyed watching the Jordan Bulls in the finals every June. Like Jordan, Jordan was just at a different level in terms of uh, recognition and notoriety and his place. Like his place in the game, they were already calling him the greatest of all time when he retired in '93, like right. before the second three P. Like they were already calling him this. So it was a little bit different. Um, actually, it was more curiosity of if the Knicks could pull it off because the Knicks have been knocking on the door in the East for like the past three years and couldn't get past the Bulls. And this was the and first that's, that's, that's the it. other point I, I wanted to make very quickly is the Rangers broke that curse. I mean, people are dancing, singing in the streets. The entire city of New York is thinking, well, damn, if the Rangers can do it, then for sure the Knicks can do it, right? Right. And, and I mean, this was a pretty evenly matched uh, finals uh, between uh, the the Knicks and the the Rockets. First time we saw Hakeem in the finals. Uh, first time we saw Ewing in the finals. We were going to get a classic center versus center. Uh, these yeah, two dudes were like top. Prime, prime Anthony game. Mason, future Charlotte Hornet. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Smith was on that Hornets team. Mario Eli. Um, I mean, both teams were like Robert Ory was on that Rockets team. And Very so the infantile good. Robert Ory. I remember that day. Well, not fondly. I remember it vividly because I remember being so angry that day because uh, we we were all set for this game. And what happened? You, you was, were angry that this was happening and it was ruining the game. Sort of. Um, we were upset that we couldn't watch the game. Like it. Like when it broke and and uh, they figured out where. Well, first, what happened? It didn't just immediately switch over to the chase. Right. Nobody knew where OJ was. So like Bob Costas. This is when NBA was still on NBC with the right. You know the 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 din -din 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 -din, like the whole greatest John theme song Pastine. of all time. Yeah, yeah let, all let, that let stuff. me, if I may, let me break down where we're at 
in the day. So OJ was supposed to surrender at like 1130 local time that morning. He was he never didn't. Going. Yeah, he was never going to. He was never going to. No so one knew where he was. The The quote-unquote suicide note gets uh, read by Robert Kardashian at that press conference. Right. Maybe 30, 45 minutes later, Al Cowling just spotted in the Bronco with OJ, and then one news helicopter finds it, and then California Highway Patrol finds it. They're talking to the Sheriff's Department or Highway Patrol, somebody on a, on a brick phone from inside the car. Um and Bob Costas is getting ready to go on to broadcast the NBA Finals and do a, a pregame little headshot thing. And here's the thing. During the game, when they found out where he was, they kept going back and forth. There was a point in that Knicks-Rockets game late in the second quarter, Anthony Mason took an elbow, and there was a little fracas that broke out. Nobody saw said fracas. Because all eyes were on OJ on the five freeway. Right. What what was happening was that uh, at first they they would cut in. Like you said, they were going back and forth. They would cut in with updates. And then eventually it got to a point where NBC decided that more people were going to watch OJ going down this freeway than, what was it, game four of the NBA Finals? Game game five. The series was tied at two. Right. So it was a really important game in the series. It was a pivotal game. Me and my buddies, we're we're basketball junkies at this point. I'm a sophomore in high school. So we're we're looking forward to this game five. It's you know they had to shift it out west. You know the whole thing. So what happened after about three or four times of them going back and forth, NBC decided just to completely sh- when they found him. When they found him on the freeway is when they shifted over. And when they shifted over, they stayed with him for it felt like twenty minutes. So we couldn't see what was going on. And I think then that's NBC the only time Tom Brokaw has ever. That's the only time Tom Brokaw has ever read a sports score live on the air and had to give Learfield-style scoreboard updates. Yeah, but, but they, put, they put a little window, like the little window I'm in right now, they put that in the bottom of the screen and had OJ's screen like yours is, like where it was huge. And we're like, it should right. be the other way around. This is the NBA Finals. Like, yeah, we get it. It's OJ Simpson. See, back with us being – I mean, I'm 14, 15 years old, so my right. mind wasn't completely wrapped around who OJ Simpson was. But right. it, it, today's world would be the equivalent of Kevin Durant being accused of murder and going on the run. And the and the news and people with social media cameras or whatever are following him down Interstate 40. Like that's literally – or actually I would say bigger than Kevin Durant because OJ was like – to like my parents' generation, he was like their – uh, they're Walter Payton. They're they're one of their bigger football stars. So right. uh, to hear that he had been accused of this crime, it, it was to a, it, to a like, lot of people being accused of something. You know, to a lot of people, he was really the first. Other than maybe I don't know, Gail Sayers, you know, the first African American superstar football player. I wouldn't even say Gail was because um, Gail only played like five years. Um, it, it, no, it, it was OJ. OJ was the first, and it's okay. So he was the first crossover star where right. he was starting. He was also to, the first guy that assimilated himself into pop culture, second of all. Right. Well, I mean, you start getting Hertz commercials and things like that. He became the go to guy, uh, African American athlete in the 70s for right. big corporations to put on their spots so they could reach different audiences. So it became OJ, OJ, OJ. And then uh, after his career was over, of course, he was well known to be the sport, one of the sportscasters for NBC's NFL broadcast, the Naked Gun series. He was out there, so people knew who he was. 
And uh, it wasn't like, um, I'm trying to think of something comparable to, almost like the way Kobe Bryant kind of slipped into retirement and kept busy doing other things. Right. Uh, sort of the same type of thing. So it, that was the shock value because people at that age, when I was in 94, if you're 30 or older, you knew exactly who OJ Simpson was. So going back to me saying, you know, we got mad, we couldn't watch the game we wanted to in the way we wanted to because right. this was taken over because they didn't go they didn't cut once he got home when he got home they literally just pointed a they camera stayed with it yeah into a dark park uh, driveway because they turn off all the lights so nobody could see the the uh the suv and they just stood they just sat there for like the whole night until oj finally got out of the car later on that evening once it was pitch black dark the game is already over uh, it just it took over it took over the entire NBA Finals even after Game Five. It was like all everybody was talking about, and then of course you know that led to the the so-called trial of the century, which it in fact was. I can't think of anything uh, in a courtroom bigger than that OJ no. trial. Like this whole Amber Heard Johnny Depp thing that just happened. Not, or not even close. Nowhere not near not chance even here of, uh, <laughs> of what happened with the OJ thing. But look, I, I know there were actual criminal proceedings where it wasn't on the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. There was ever such a thing as a made for TV show trial. That, yeah. that was it. <laughs> Another thing too, that day, people don't realize that that day ushered in 24 hour news coverage. Uh, we didn't have that before. Uh, well, well see, that's that's why NBC kept breaking in because there was no MSNBC for them to go to. Right, there was the no, there was no. But it wasn't like designed to to cover a story just minute non-stop. by minute as it goes. Yeah, yeah. Fox News grew because of like Fox News was brand new uh, right. when this happened, and it 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 created the twenty four hour news cycle where we didn't have it before this day and after this day. You literally could put a a line in terms of history of media before yeah. june 17th and after june 17th significant well, day that. in sports and significant day in in sports media if mm-hmm. anything you could make the case as to why so many major sporting events like the stanley cup final ended up on nbcsn half the time so if you know major events like that did happen they didn't have to break in but you know that's neither here nor there um from the media perspective there were portions of that day and if you watch the 30 for 30 you'll see this K, uh, KCBS or one of the K, uh, one of the stations in um, LA that was not an ABC affiliate had a Barbara Walters lower thirds graphic on their air, and you hear their anchor say uh, Barbara Walters is not reporting because she doesn't work for us. We're a, you know a CBS affiliate, um, and then another local news station has their lower third pop up. So many. People, so many networks, stations were covering the same thing with the same exact camera shot from helicopters that were two inches from each other that satellites were cross-waving. So you were basically changing channels without pressing a remote. It was frustrating. (laughs) Like, just looking back on that entire day was just, uh, just frustrating, like the whole thing. And then you start finding out stuff. Because at that point, we 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 knew about the murders, right? Uh, but we were still learning info. It wasn't like it is today, where you kind of get everything like quick and hot, like on Twitter or whatever. It was still well, trickling out, like what was going on. That's the funny thing. A, a lot of that conversation that was in in the documentary with OJ and um, 
I don't know if it was a sheriff or somebody with highway patrol, whoever the gentleman was he was speaking to from, from the brick phone inside the, the car. Um, that cop repeatedly said, don't do it. We love you. So many people love you. It's going to work itself out. You're going to be fine. They had a psychologist on NBC with Tom Brokaw that said an innocent man doesn't do this, but, you know, he was proven innocent. We're not going to get into that part of it, but um, at the time, no one was, <laughs> as, as the trial went on, everyone kind of became convinced that he was, right? No, it wasn't even, I mean, it, there. okay, so that, that and that actually was a, a very interesting time in America because I have, I had a, uh, by the time the trial was going on, I'm a junior. Right. And you know what? Maybe I was a junior in 94. Yeah, because it would have been the summer of 94. So going into 94, going 95. Going into your junior was, year. Yeah. Right. So going to, it was the summer before my junior year because right. by the time the trial happened, I was a senior and I was in uh, journalism. So I was writing for the school paper. And I remember the the uh, the day the verdict came out because uh, we had TVs in our, all of our classrooms, just like they used mm -hmm. to do ACC tournament or whatever. Everybody yep. had a TV in their room yep. uh, and we're sitting there watching it. And I remember the reactions in the class when they said not guilty. Uh, there was probably me and maybe four or five other uh, black people in the class. The other 16 or so were, were white. And when they read the verdict, all the black people cheered and all the white people were just like dumbfounded, like shocked that this dude could get away with this. And I, looking back on it now as an adult, I know that we, we cheered not because we wanted OJ to get away with murder, it was in a weird, selfish way. We cheered because an African-American male finally got a not guilty verdict in a court of law. And even though in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles, the, the riots had just happened. The Rodney King stuff had just happened like three years prior. So the city's still hot. Uh, so nobody's trusting the police. Uh, people thought OJ was going to get shot in his, in his driveway. Like, literally, that's why they kept the cameras on him on June 17th. Because they, they thought, thought the LAPD police were going to shoot him. Shoot him. Yeah. They thought they were going to shoot him in his driveway. And they wanted documented tape that it, what was going on. So, in the end, looking back on it, of course, it wasn't right to, to cheer for him to get away with this. And karma karma bit him in the end anyway. It, it, it caught up but, to him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at that time, I just remember uh, there was a lot of racial divide going on in the country just like it is today like people like to pretend like it's gone away because we elected a black president and all this other stuff it hasn't gone away it's ingrained in the fabric of this country it's never going to go probably go away uh not in our lifetime so i mean this was just one of those things and one of those days that amplified what the where the country was uh at that point but 1994 great year for hip-hop music check that out if you can uh, uh by the way Moving the conversation on a little bit, um, as we said, Brazil went on to win that World Cup. Uh, the Knicks won that game that night, but Des, as you said, nobody saw it. It was in a little corner of the screen, so like it kind of got lost in the day. Like we got to see the game, it just wasn't the way you expect to watch an NBA Finals game because you couldn't right. hear. And, and, and picture in no picture on a audio. maximum twenty-six inch screen in nineteen ninety-four, which is about everybody had. It's a yeah. lot different than the forty-six inch I'm looking at right now. And there's no, there was no audio. Like we couldn't hear right. the audio. Like we couldn't hear the call from the game because on the big screen was uh, Tom Brokaw or Dan Rather, whoever it was, on what channel you're watching uh, with the story. So to appease the NBA fans, they put it down in the corner. Uh, but to be honest. 
I mean, the way it was going, I kind of understand why they did it that way now that I'm older. But back then, yeah, I, it, we were so. It was the only way they could do it, and that was that was unprecedented for any network to break into a live sporting event for anything that wasn't, you know, like a, a catastrophic mass casualty event or something. You know, it, well, some I kind of, think of anything where they had done it before, except for um, no. uh, except for the the Oakland world series when the earthquake, the earthquake. uh and that was the only that just time. happened to ha- that just happened to occur to where the broadcast was taking place yeah they're, they're i don't think ever around the same time wasn't it when was that that was 88 88 or 89 yeah dodgers dodgers and uh they was it dodgers that was the bay area series yeah it so was, it was, dodgers, it was giants yeah. it was giants a's giants a's that's what it was and uh i was actually watching that um, yeah, the, the earthquake like, occurred during ABC's pregame. Yeah, yeah. So because they didn't know what was happening at first, and then and they, they it knocked them off up. the air. Yeah, so it knocked I mean, their transmitter off. That's the only thing I could think of during a, a sporting event where something happened outside of sports that affected the event uh, during right. that time period. But uh, just a weird. I, mean, I, I can't think of any any sporting event that was on network television that something anything else. happened significant enough to to break into especially game five of the nba finals yeah something that's crazy too since we're still in that that time period i thought i just finished watching the last dance again uh Mm -hmm. over this past week while my family was out of town and i thought about this in 94 there was a a baseball strike correct yeah like we talked about with with ken griffey he was on he was on pace to break that record and pretty much two months to the day after this they went on strike if uh it, by all accounts, in the White Sox farm system, Terry Fracona, all these other guys, uh, he was the Birmingham Barons manager at the time with Jordan yes. on the squad. They all said with 1,500 at-bats, he was going to find a way to make it to the major leagues, right? Yep. Jordan uh, was asked to go play with the scabs uh, that were playing uh, during the strike, and he refused. He refused to go play with them because he was on the side of the players. And because the strike happened, he started showing back up at Chicago Bulls practices got the itch back, came back. If if the strike never happened in 1994... There might not be another three-peat. Even, even more than that. If that hadn't happened, I think Shaquille O'Neal would never have become a Laker because the Orlando Magic would have won the NBA title. In That's right. They wouldn't have... They, they beat the Bulls. They went on and uh, lost to the Rockets, uh, who repeated. But if Jordan never comes back or comes back a year later or whatever... In '95, you probably get Houston versus the the uh, uh, the Magic, and Houston wins like they did. The next year, '96, that that Magic team won 60 plus games. We just don't talk about it because the Bulls won 72. Right. Uh, that Magic team probably beats that whoever. Well, it would have been the Sonics. They would have beat the Sonics in the '96 final. So, like, so many different things would have happened differently because of that year. It's and it's funny that you're bringing it up, June 17th, 1994, because I was just thinking. Well, in that year, if this hadn't happened, this happens, that happens, this happens, that like all these different things cascade out. And you probably don't get a second three-peat from the Bulls, and you probably don't get uh, Shaq as a Laker. You don't get Shaq and Kobe. And all this stuff just from one thing happening in 1994 that wasn't even their sport. It was Major League Baseball. So, yeah, you know, there you go. And I just wanted to add one thing that I always forget about this, but wasn't that the year? I mean, the year the Rangers won the cup. Wasn't that the year that Messier guaranteed they'd win it in six, but they lost in seven? But they won no, it in he seven. Gar- that was the Eastern Conference final. Okay. He guaranteed yeah. that 
they were down 3-2 in that series against the Devils. Okay. He guaranteed okay. they would win game six, take it home, and win it in seven. Okay. Uh, the Canucks fans were so mad at the result of that series that they ended up rioting for three nights straight in the streets of Vancouver. Um, but we, we've said it this whole segment, there were so many events in in the world of sports specifically that have, have transcended time all because they were under this vast umbrella of the OJ thing. And because it happened where it happened, you had people that, you know, watched him at USC or watched him play when he was with the 49ers for the five minutes he played with the 49ers. And he did play for the 49ers, by the way, in case nobody knew that. He wasn't just Buffalo. Um, people were parking their cars on bridges, hanging over bridges. There was a throng of people outside his house, outside of the, you know, the giant media frenzy that was there. Just this massive cascading of what is happening. And I can only imagine what my parents were doing, Christian, what your parents were doing. It, it, it boggles me to have lived through that, A, as a sports fan, B, just, just as, as a general person. 95 million people tuned in to some portion of that series of events on national on network television that began cable news as we know it does as you said because 95 million people tuned in to figure out what did god green earth is going on here and then you you have everything else that we've talked about it's this date is a monumental day in american history and in sports history also on this day watergate happened but you know I'm going to go watch this, uh, this 30 for 30 again. You were actually, I meant to say you were wild at the beginning of this segment saying this is the, the, the best 30 for 30 ever made. Is that what you said? Or just the, your favorite? What was it you said again? It was my, <laughs> it's it's my personal favorite. There we go. Okay. Because what you no, said, it's not, time, no, you're, no, you're like, no. The 30 for 30 of all time. I'm like, nope. <laughs> no, I ain't that dumb. Nope. What, do you, what, would, what would you consider the greatest? Because I've got a couple in my mind, but uh, not that one. But last I, dance, I think, has got to be. I don't Even think that's it's considered a 30 for 30. Oh, um, okay, that's fair. Because yeah. um, maybe, I, of course, I'll put that in there. But yeah, I may be biased here, but I'd like four days in October. But that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm a little bit biased. I'm on, uh, <laughs> and we usually do this topic here in uh, the summer on Rundown. Uh, I'm on uh, Bo Nose, uh, the Bo Jackson one, um, the 85 Bears. Uh, Fab Five. Fab Five. Fab Five, yes. Fab Five. Personally, for me, it's between. The U and Fab Five. The U might be the best one. The 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 U and the U Part Two might be the best produced one. Yeah, uh, that's in my I top agree. five for sure too. Yeah. Um, Fab Five is actually. I'm glad Christian mentioned that because I was sitting there thinking, which one am I forgetting? Fab Five is actually my favorite one. Um, what else? Uh, I hate Christian Leitner. That's yep, a good that one. one's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, the Steve Bartman one. I think it's Haley. Catholics first convicts was good. The Steve Bartman one. Uh, what was that one called? Uh, oh, Catching Hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's some good ones. There's some good ones. They just released one uh, about the Tuck Roll. That's really good. Uh, that's Tom Brady. Yes, that Charles was fantastic. Um, um, and if nobody's seen it yet, the um, we'll we'll go to break after this. The speaking of significant thirty for thirties, Dream On, uh, the first of this 
women's sports series thing that ESPN's going to have going on um, about the 96 women's dream team. Yeah. Um, that, look, here's the story. In case you didn't watch the promos or don't know what happened, A, that was the greatest collection of women's basketball talent probably ever. And, yes, Dawn Staley, head coach at South Carolina, played on that team and played for the now-defunct Charlotte Sting of the WNBA. This is also your daily reminder that Charlotte had a WNBA team. Anyways. Um, don't sting. Don't sting. Um, it is hailing the, 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 the NBA. Just to let you know if you're hearing that on the mic. It's like it like there's nickel-sized hail hitting the window right here in front of Oh, my of God. Room. Okay, yeah. Uh, I got an alert that there was a severe thunderstorm warning in Kernersville. So, yeah. You, it's bright and you sunny be, over here, so. You be, oh, that's yeah, I, I haven't looked out my window yet, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's coming this way. Well, it's probably coming from either your direction or heading your direction, Christian. So, either duck or I, be I happy. I heading your way. It's probably going east, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Christian will be, to quote Blazing Saddles, reading from the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Duck. If I lose power here in a bit, it's going to be because of the storm because my lights just flickered. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, um, so you know. we're going to get in a break here in a second. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, Dream On. NBA Entertainment had 500-plus hours of footage following that team from their worldwide barnstorming tour to come back to Atlanta for those Olympics. I think Des froze. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, he's frozen in time. Um, we're still live, so we'll keep going. Um, NBA Entertainment did not release that footage to anybody, really. It had never been seen until it's been put in this three-part documentary. But the NBA realized that there was serious possibility for at least some semblance of publicity here for the greatest collection of women's basketball talent of all time. Uh, yeah, Dez's power went out. Um, so, in lieu of it happening to me, uh, we're going to say goodbye. Uh, Christian will recap the uh, Cardinals Bosox uh, showdown uh, looming to come. We'll break that down next week. But uh, in lieu of it happening to anybody else, we're going to go ahead and hop off here. Um, Dez, be safe. Christian, you be safe. Uh, severe weather coming in and heat stroke heat waves everywhere just drink water and swim and just be safe just be safe don't die um love you all be safe we'll see you next week